Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. This is Geek Therapy Radio. Your mental curator, Johnny Hamburger. Welcome to Geek Therapy Radio. I am, as you just heard, your mental curator, Johnny Hamburger. Thank you so much for joining me for the the radio broadcast this week. And that's a good reminder that the podcast is new five days a week. That's right. If you subscribe to the podcast, just Geek Therapy Radio Podcast and your favorite podcast player, of course, the iHeartRadio app is always a fine choice. If you subscribe to if you subscribe to it, if I can even talk, I have a problem with talking sometimes. I ain't perfect. You get fresh new content, fresh out of the oven, five days a week. And in the podcast, I say things that I wouldn't normally broadcast. There's a lot of free form and freedom in the podcast for me to get a little bit more juicy with it. For instance, on the radio, I am confined to segments that are 8 minutes, 10 minutes, 11 minutes, and 10 minutes. Four segments. 8, 10, 11, 10. Now you know behind the scenes the format of Geek Therapy Radio. But on the podcast, I can talk for 30 minutes. Just train a thought without losing a beat, you know. 30 minutes or more. I try to keep it around 15 to 20 minutes for, you know, kind of the average car commute. You know what I've noticed also is that Longer podcasts tend to do better. There's kind of a this butter zone with, you know, you don't want to make the podcast too short, but you also don't want to make it two or three hours long. At least I, I don't. Uh, but if it's a nice kind of good juicy length for people to really sink their ears into, of about between 20 and 30 minutes or so, I feel that those get more listens, more stats than the shorter ones. And uh, I have some, you know, ideas of why that may be, but uh, there you have it. I'm just telling you, that's the data that I seem to observe. It could also come down to the titles of the podcast are more interesting to people. And that's what I encourage people to do when they subscribe to the podcast is feel free to scan through the titles and find what's interesting to you. I don't expect everybody to listen to every single podcast, you know, but if I start talking about a subject, which I put in the title and description that interests you, by all means. Not to say that I don't appreciate the people who listen to every single podcast, because I do. All right, podcast plug over. Social media, Geek Therapy Radio, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. I'm working on a retrospective of the Game Boy Color over on my YouTube channel. It's very fun. It's coming along nicely. It takes a long time time to put together YouTube videos, so I hope you appreciate it. I have a lot of fun filming them and putting them together. It's a fun channel. It's a fun channel over there in Geek Therapy Radio on YouTube. Just search Geek Therapy Radio. So, this time of year, things get a little spooky. A little spoopy. Pumpkins and skeletons. Surprise! There's a skeleton inside of you right now. Ooh. Do you remember Are You Afraid of the Dark? The Nickelodeon show that came on on Saturday nights 
back in the day, at least for uh, a lot of millennials my age, I am 36 years old. I was never a huge fan personally of Are You Afraid of the Dark? And maybe it's because it came on on a Saturday night and I knew that if I was at home watching Are You Afraid of the Dark on a Saturday night, that my Saturday night probably wasn't that great. <laughs> it was just a reminder. Do you remember The Simpsons being on on Sunday nights back starting in 1989, being a, being a wee lad, being a wee lass? And watching The Simpsons on Sunday night and just the horror and the dread that came over you during the credits because you knew, for me, the weekend was over at the ending credits of The Simpsons. I knew that it was time to go to bed and had to go to school the next morning. So I looked forward to The Simpsons every week, but the credits are like a death nail. And even still now, when I watch old uh, Simpsons, the epi episodes of The Simpsons, a.k.a. the good ones... Um, that's purely opinion. When the credits start to roll, I get this pit in my gut, this reminder, oh man, I get the feeling that, oh, I got school tomorrow, but then I remember, I'm an adult, I don't have school tomorrow, this is just a rerun airing on FX, you know, on a Tuesday night. So anyways, it's funny the feelings that old shows bring up in us. So are you afraid of the dark? Back to the Nickelodeon show. It is coming back, at least in a limited series on Nickelodeon, and I'm gonna play the trailer right now and then comment on it. Do you like scary stories? It is. Let's see if the new girls got the right stuff. Rachel, we're all afraid of something. Very highly what produced. Are you afraid of? Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. Everything looks like a movie I now. I this story. The Carnival of Doom. A carnival is coming to town this weekend. This is the same carnival for my story. Cinematography looks all artsy. That's why I will haunt my dreams forever. Special effects are way better. You had a dream about a creepy carnival, and now the carnival is real. We don't have much time. Do you have a plan? Let's do this. Seriously, you're gonna throw up. I'm fine. You sure about that? I don't know. I can already tell the Where overweight kid's gonna be my favorite. Run! I'm going to end this. Look, if the story is too scary, I can always tone it down for you. Jump scare? Okay. I'm gonna pause it right there. That one, I mean, it's over. The jump scare. I I remember that Are You Afraid of the Dark, since it was only on Nickelodeon, and since it could barely be rated PG, if that, that the scariness of the stories had to rely heavily on jump scare because they couldn't show a blood-soaked chainsaw murderer on Nickelodeon. So, uh, it's always... That was kind of a built-in flaw in my mind with Are You Afraid in the Dark is that it can't, for a real horror story, to have the freedom to spread its wings and really explore some darkness and some true horror, it couldn't be less than PG, basically. That's not to say that there isn't some haunting imagery in old Disney movies that are rated G. Believe me, there are some nightmare fuel, you know, images in old G-rated Disney movies, but I don't think they intended it to be that way, or just audiences could, could handle it better. 
Just saying, a horror series on Nickelodeon didn't work for me personally even when I was a kid. It'll be interesting to see how they kind of revamp it going forward with this new series. It's limited run again. When does it start, actually? October 11th, 18th, and 25th. Remember, it's a limited series. Alrighty, stay tuned. More Geek Therapy Radio coming up. Let's talk about some countries banning loot boxes in video games. Finally. Welcome back to Geek Therapy Radio. I am, of course, your mental curator, Johnny Hemberger. By the way, the email address to reach me to tell me about anything, your geek thing, because we're all geeks about something. I want to know what you're a geek about. What what are you into? Uh, Geek Therapy at iHeartMedia.com. One more time, Geek Therapy at iHeartMedia.com. Are you working on an old car? Are you restoring an old car? I watched an episode of, oh, what was it? Goblin, Goblin something. Uh, Goblin Motorworks, Goblin whatever. They build cars in their garage. It's over there in the UK. And uh, they turned an old Volvo station wagon, pre-1980 Volvo station wagon, into a 500-horsepower sleeper. It was awesome. Are you, are you working on any projects like that? It doesn't have to be restoring old cars. Do you restore old motorcycles? Do you restore old bicycles? What are you into? If you are into some of that kind of vintage stuff, I I don't, we are all geeks about something. I'm very passionate about that fact. Maybe you build model airplanes. Maybe you build model trains or you like to work with model trains or you do some art. Maybe your passion is mowing the lawn. Are you one of those people? I just bought a house, by the way, me and my wife. Sorry, my wife and I bought a house and I'm already thinking of ways of uh, mowing the lawn. How am I going to mow the lawn this week? Am I going to get all fancy with it and do diagonal cross cross hatches on the lawn? Am I going to do crisscross crossing like a checkerboard? See, I like to think that way. And I know what probably a lot of you homeowners are already thinking. It's like, dude, you're going to do that for two weeks and then you're just going to hire a guy. <laughs> or you're going to be fancy with it once and then realize how much freaking work it is and just go back to, to straight lines. Well... That may be true. We'll see. We'll we'll cross that bridge. I haven't been able to mow the lawn very much. I've I've mowed it once thus far. Uh, we haven't got a lot of rain the past month or so, at least. I mean, there have been pop-up showers, of course, and there's been a few severe thunderstorms rolling through, but I haven't gotten a full a full dousing of the lawn. And I, I was reading that your lawn needs roughly about one inch of water per week. Is that right? Or half an inch of water per week? It needs about an an inch of water per week is is desirable for a lawn. So four inches a month or so, that's good. I don't think we've we've hit that at least in my neighborhood. Yes, the the area, the local area, might have hit that. But uh, anyways, in the last segment, we'll move on from from dad stuff. Even though I'm not a dad. It's just, I think part of the process of going, getting into a dad frame of mind is you have to get a house first, and we've done that, so we don't have kids, but my brain is already wiring up for dad mode. The uh, dad jokes are already, already coming. For instance, this is off the top of my head. This morning, I said, uh, <laughs> I told Sarah, 
and she was not very amused. She's like, are the dad jokes already starting? I said that when, if and when we have kids, whenever we cross that bridge, that whenever my kids tell me something, like they want something or they've been naughty or something like that, that I'm going to be adding adding that information into my dada base. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah was not amused by that. All right. In the last segment, first segment, I said I was going to talk about video games and... <clears throat> Some countries cracking down on loot boxes. Most recently, it has been the UK. The UK Parliament is banning all loot boxes until evidence proves that it's safe for kids. That it doesn't uh, lend itself into uh, creating young gamblers. That it isn't just pre-conditioning young minds for gambling. And I kind of get that. And and I, I do agree with someone finally, you know, bringing the hammer down on uh, on loot boxes of chance. Basically, the type of loot boxes in video games, DLC, whatever you want to call it, that basically has you pay real money to essentially, and just to, you know, just to uh, depict this kind of clearly... That adds kind of a slot machine element to it. Pay $5, get these amount of credits, put it in this mechanism that essentially is like a slot machine. It's a game of chance to see what kind of loot you get in the loot box. Now, loot in loot boxes, as far as gaming is concerned, is is kind of unlocking attributes, unlocking uh, better weapons, unlocking better characteristics for your player. This happens in, in FIFA, in FIFA 19. Electronic Arts is going to be taking the you know most of the brunt of this, but uh, FIFA 19 is what really kind of was the straw on the camel to break the camel's back. Uh, loot boxes of chance to unlock desirable attributes for your players or for your team to give you a competitive edge, which isn't fair. That is my whole rub with all this. It, it it isn't even the moral aspect of it, which it is, of course, also in addition to. But even just at the basic gameplay level, loot boxes, it's not a level game a playing field in video games. If you can just buy more accuracy uh, with real money in, let's say, Call of Duty or something like that, if or uh, CS:GO or what have you, if you can just basically buy skills. To offset the fact that you haven't had a lot of exp- enough experience in the game to get those skills otherwise. That what fun is it to turn on a game that you paid good money for and you're losing simply to the fact that somebody else has spent an extra $10 to unlock a more powerful weapon or more par- powerful attributes uh, for their character on, on their game. It's not fair. It should be a level playing field where everybody just gets better with experience. You learn how to play the game and you get better just for having to, you know, learn how to play the game better than your your competition. Instead, somebody can get on get in the game theoretically with absolutely zero experience buy their way into the leaderboards essentially. It'd be like in Doom, the original Doom, everyone else running around with the pistol or the bare knuckles. Not, it's not even bare knuckles. In that game, it was a, they had a, what do they call them? Uh, brass knuckles, basically. But anyone's running around with a fist and a pistol, and you bought the BFG. I cannot repeat on the radio what BFG stands for, but it stands for Big Friggin' Gun. 
just without the friggin' the real word, the real uh, word. The BFG in Doom basically melts and eviscerates anything or most things visible on the screen, most enemies on the screen. So it'd be like some punk just buying the game with zero experience, buying the BFG with real money outside of the game, and then laying waste to all the rest of the players who have to earn earn their keep, earn their rank, earn their skill. That's the big beef with loot boxes. But let's get into the kind of the moral ramifications of that. The, whatever happens in the game, you can argue back and forth. Is this a moral ramification, what I just discussed? But the real issue and the reason why the UK has banned loot boxes is more, it's all lumped in with the effects of gaming on youth. And we're not talking about, I guess one aspect of it is kind of uh, the violence or anything like that, even though the UK does not have the issues the United States has um, on such a wide scale. Uh, But at its base, are loot boxes conditioning young people to become gamblers? Are these practices deceitful? Are they maliciously deceitful? In much the same way where somebody develops a gambling addiction and they think that the next pull on the slot machine or the next cards that come out are going to make them rich. Is it conditioning this sort of lack of self-control in a child to make them grow up to be adults who go to the casino, and metaphorically speaking, and dip into their savings account, start taking out mortgages to feed their addiction. So I am not saying, I'm not taking the stance of saying definitively that that is exactly what's happening, but the UK is banning loot boxes until they do studies to confirm what actually is happening. It's kind of like vaping. The vaping debacle that the United, that we're in right now in the United States, by the way, that's black market vaping. That is juice and things that they've bought off the black market. It is not regulated at all. That's what's causing the problems. So the UK, in terms of loot boxes, is trying to study this phenomenon to see if it, if it has adverse effects on youth and on people in general. And then once they have their findings... They'll rule again to, to allow loot boxes or what have you. But until, while the jury's out, loot boxes are banned. More Geek Therapy Radio coming up. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Geek Therapy Radio. You've got your mental curator, Johnny Hemberger. South Park, as South Park is one to do, kind of explained what I'm talking about perfectly. They did an episode called Freemium Isn't Free. Talking about freemium games. And it's essentially the same thing to what we're talking about with loot boxes, except that the insult to injury that games like FIFA 19 and other EA games and other games from other manufacturers add to it is that you actually pay for the games. You pay $60 or so or whatever you paid for the game itself. Once you pay for the product itself, that should that should be it. You shouldn't need to spend any more money. And what's turning out to be the case is that a lot of gamers who buy a game like FIFA 19 wind up spending, you know, $800, $1,000 extra per year in bad cases in the game itself, real money, 
real money, real credit card transactions to get new jerseys or logos or decals or or uh, skills or uh, weapons or anything like that in other games. Spending real money for things that don't exist in the real world. And there's an argument to... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Me made there that you've already bought the product. Why, do you, why should you need to spend more money to play the game? And on the one hand, I don't think it's a bad thing as far as, for instance, I myself in Rocket League purchased uh, the DeLorean car for, I think it was like two or three dollars at the time. That doesn't give you any sort of advantage in the game. It's just, I like the Back to the Future DeLorean. I wanted to play as the Back to the Future DeLorean, but it doesn't make me faster. It doesn't make me hit the ball better. It doesn't improve my skill in any sort of way. I've got a big beef, personally, as do many other people, with buying things in the game that do give you an advantage over somebody who didn't uh, spend the extra money in the game to get that advantage. That's the big beef there. And I also have a beef with that. <clears throat> I don't have a beef with in-app purchases in and of themselves if it's marketed in in such a way that it's 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 making it known that this not it, this isn't going to affect your skill at all. It's just going to be your character has you know this different costume, you know, in Overwatch, for instance. Where it becomes a problem though is. There is an awful lot of online bullying of players, even if they if they if they just have a costume that if they didn't buy a certain costume, they kind of get shamed for it or bullied because they didn't buy a costume in whatever game for their character. Oh, look, you can't even afford to get this or you don't even have this. What a pleb you are. That's a problem. It, and that's it. That's ridiculous. So. I don't have a problem objectively with someone making an in-app purchase if it's but it depends on how it's it's marketed. Am I making kind of kind of sense here? It, it, if no one's twisting your arm to make it seem like you need to get this or you're going to be left behind, you're not going to be cool if you don't have this. That's one thing. So back to freemium games. And I really want to know what you think about that, by the way. Geek therapy at iHeartMedia.com. Geek therapy at iHeartMedia.com. I want to know what you think about in-app purchases and DLC and kind of where you draw the line. Where is the line? Is there a line to you? 
I just kind of want to get your thoughts on that. So geektherapy at iheartmedia.com. But back to the freemium gaming thing and how EA adds insult to injury in this case when you already buy a game for $60 or so, $50, $60, $70, and then almost makes it required to keep up with the game with more in-app purchases. Especially when these in-game purchases can... uh, there, There is mounting evidence that it preys upon its predatory... Uh, and exacerbates addictive addictive uh, character traits on people. So that's exactly what freemium gaming is. When you download a game for free on your phone and they say, here, take 5,000 extra credits. It's all, it, if you've been to Las Vegas or any casino, these freemium games are styled very much identical to... Uh, machines in Vegas, slot machines and what have you in Vegas. It's all colorful. It's all, the colors are very bright. It has this reward system. If you do more in the game, or especially if you spend more money, you get more of a reward out of it, but you don't really get a real return. All you've done is given them money. You haven't actually gained anything beneficial yourself. And that's the way freemium is set up. You download the game for free. It gives you 5,000 bonus credits or whatever for downloading the game. And then it brings you to the menu every five seconds as you play the game that you can purchase more credits. Purchase 5,000 more credits for $5. Join the elite tier for $10. $20 gives you three months of whatever in the game. That's horrible. And South Park kind of explains it the best so this first clip from south park i'm going to play it's the uh it's the executives of the gaming company explaining what freemium is and it's hilarious and then i'm going to give uh, satan's response to it as satan explains the trap of freemium gaming the trap of in-app purchases of in-game purchases and how it affects dopamine and all sorts of things. So first, let's play the execs in uh, South Park explaining what freemium gaming is. It's it's hilarious. Allow me to explain the science behind MicroPay Freemium Gaming. With mobile apps, we now have the ability to make games that are boring and stupid. If you pay for incentives, you're rewarded. Freemium, the meum is Latin for not really. It's a simple cycle, a never-ending loop based on RPGs. Those just use the concept of XP or experience points. We've introduced the idea of micro-paying with money, 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 money. It's what everyone is doing. Freemium games are what's now. And it's all just a lot of harmless vibes. Freemium. The meum is Latin for not really. Let me see if I can speed up my voice there and make it actually sound like South Park. Freemium. The meum is Latin for not really. In the original one more time. Freemium. The meum is Latin for not really. Eh, close enough. I'm not going to waste a whole lot of time on that. So later in the episode, (laughs) Satan actually sits down with Stan to explain how dopamine works. That these types of games basically, uh, they, they, they prey upon humans, uh, dopamine production and yes this is south park i'm going to have to edit the crap out of this south park is a very r-rated show you've been warned you have summoned the prince of temptation for what purpose uh i have 
addiction demons and I don't understand them. Then allow me to explain the darkness of the human soul. So you've got dopamine, right? That's the chemical that gets released in your brain whenever you do something pleasurable, like eating, sex, and that's just nature, right? Like rabbits and fish and shit. They need dopamine so that they want to consume and reproduce. Okay. But because humans have progressed and now have access to all the shit they want whenever they want it, it's easy for them to overdo and have dopamine problems. You know, it's not rocket science, this stuff. So there's nothing spiritually wrong with me? No. It's like, okay, it's like being diabetic. You know, it's like you can eat wrong and eat wrong and chemicals get released from your liver in a weird way. You know, you've been eating gluten and shit. And then eventually you've got a chemical imbalance from your liver. And something clicked and now you're diabetic forever, right? So, like, if you keep doing something too much, eventually there's, um, a dopamine f up, right? And you're kind of screwed up for life. So what does that mean? I, I can get addicted to everything so I can't enjoy anything? Yeah, that's pretty much what it means. The addict people said something about me filling a hole. Well, who's not filling a f hole, right? You know, I mean, what kind of bullshit is that? So, let's talk about genetics now. You still have time? Yeah, no, this is great. Okay, let me get some visual aids. Give me just a sec. <laughs> uh, I love South Park. Satan doling out the life lessons. <laughs> that is so silly. But the gist of what he's saying is that these video game companies, both with loot boxes in games you've already purchased and in freemium games, games that are, you know, get you on the hook with being free and then they charge you over and over and over again in the game with all these rewards. Uh, it's preying upon... It's not just preying upon people with addictive uh, personalities or with the family history of addiction. It's preying on even just people who don't have addictive personalities. It's it's hitting their dopamine so much and so much and so much, as, as Satan in South Park was explaining, that you can hit the dopamine so much that it causes a problem. Just like if you drank too much alcohol or you ate too much bad food, then you get diabetes or you have alcoholism and you, you have liver damage and cirrhosis and things like that, that you can do overdo things so much that it does become a problem and does create an actual addiction. And that is what these video game companies are guilty of. And that is what the UK Parliament is cracking down on until they can do the research to prove or find the actual effects it has, especially on minors. We'll be right back with more Geek Therapy Radio. Don't go anywhere. I'm having fun, are you? Welcome back to Geek Therapy Radio. I am your mental curator, Johnny Hemberger. We've spent the almost the entire episode this week this entire broadcast mostly talking about video games and loot boxes and the legality of loot boxes and that the UK Parliament has banned loot boxes while the jury is out on how harmful loot boxes especially lottery loot boxes are on people especially youth to change gears a little bit here. I hate that saying, but we're going to shift gears a little bit here and talk about and geek out about space. It's been a while since I've talked about space stuff when there's kind of a fascinating story to graze across my four eyes today. We have another interstellar visitor on its way to our solar system. 
a comet named Comet C 2019Q4. I wonder what 2019 stands for. Comet C 2019Q4 is expected to make its closest approach to the sun December 4th, and that brings it to within about the orbit of Mars. So it's going to be, it's still going to be considerably far away from the Earth, especially since it's a comet and it's small, especially compared to a moon or a planet. It makes it kind of hard, kind of hard to see in much detail. So the fascinating thing, the fascinating thing about, about C2009Q4 is that, as I mentioned above, it is interstellar in origin. That means it came from another star, also known as another solar system. Anything surrounding a star is a solar system. It doesn't necessarily mean planets or life or anything like that, but any of the dust and any anything immediately within the gravitational um, effect of that star is within that star's solar system. This has origins from extraterrestrial or <laughs> I sounded like an idiot there, but it's coming from an interstellar uh, solar system. And we know that because of its uh, because of its uh, orbit, it's eccentric. The more eccentric an orbit, the more possibility that it came from outside of our solar system. So, you can measure the eccentricity of, of an orbit. The Earth, by the way, is near zero, meaning that the orbit is almost perfectly circular. The more hyperbolic and parabolic that it gets, hyperbolic's a better term for it, the more extreme its orbit, the more egg-shaped and oval-shaped the orbit gets. If it gets to such an extreme, if it gets high enough above a perfect 1.0, like the Earth's orbit, we're close to 1.0 thereabouts, if it gets higher than that, it ever increases the odds that it came from an interstellar origin. So most recently, we had Oumuamua come through the solar system, uh, when was that, a couple years ago? That caught us by relative surprise. Remember all the, remember all the, uh, uh, what, what the conspiracy theory behind Oumuamua that it was uh, possibly a, a spacecraft and it zoomed through our our solar system so fast that we couldn't possibly catch up to it just to do a quick flyby and take <laughs> take pictures and study us for a moment on its way out kind of incognito it didn't announce its arrival and then by the time we saw it it was already on its way out so we couldn't observe it very much we did find out that it was basically cigar shaped and that just set off speculation of conspiracy theories oh it's cigar shaped that means it must be a tubular like a fuselage of a of some sort of spacecraft. Well, really the tubular shape has more to do with, you know, scientists theorize, more to do with gravitational influences and trajectories and outside influences. It's just, it makes sense that it's been stretched under such gravity and such velocity and who knows how long it's been in the solar system being affected by different things that basically it was rolled like a piece of Play-Doh with gravitational forces into a cylinder. We've all done it with our hands in Play-Doh. The difference with Comet uh, C2019Q4 is that 
we see it coming. We found out uh, that it's coming. And back to Uamuamua, we, one piece of evidence that said that it was an inter, of interstellar origin is that its eccentricity was well over 1.0. It was 1.2, and that is considered rather high. So what the Comet C-2019-Q4, its eccentricity is at about 3.0. This is an extremely eccentric orbit, leaving little to no, that, no doubt that this is also of interstellar origin. And we can see it coming. So despite it being as close to the sun as Mars is, and therefore, depending on which orbit Mars is, it's uh, how far away it is from the Earth. It's going to be very far from the Earth, but we can see it coming. Maybe we can we can uh, scan it a little bit more, analyze it a bit more with however we can. I think a lot of people overestimate the power of Hubble, taste, Hubble Space Telescopes and telescopes in general, that it is still quite hard to see small objects. You would think that since we can see all these galaxies out in the universe with the Hubble Space Telescope, why couldn't we have just pointed it at Pluto and got a clear image? Well, Pluto is very, 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 very small. The best images we've been able to get from the Hubble Telescope of Pluto were what amounts to basically just a few pixels. It took flying an actual spaceship out there to take up close and personal pictures of Pluto and send it back to Earth. And we've done that, and the images were gorgeous. There's a big heart on Pluto, like it was waiting for us to to come uh, look at it, come pay a visit. So what are we going to gain? What kind of knowledge are we going to gain now that we see uh, Comet C 2019 Q4 coming at us? We have time to prepare, time to collect as much data as possible. What will it reveal? I think that we will be able to reveal some actually quite fascinating things. We will be able to possibly determine what the makeup of the comet is. Is it mostly, if it's made of ice, that means it's water. That means there's water out, we, for sure, out in the interstellar neighborhood, which I don't think anyone really doubts. But it'd still be fascinating to, uh, to determine that this actual comet is made of, of water. Uh, maybe it's made of iron. Maybe it's made of, who knows what it's made of? Is there gold in there, platinum? We'll be able to tell its chemical composition roughly. That's my, that's my guesstimate at least. Actually, you know what we can do for sure? And it just depends on obviously budget and whether they decide to do this or not. But every comet leaves a trail. It's like Hansel and Gretel leaving a trail over its trajectory through its path. And this trail consists of things like ice particles and water vapor and different elements it's ejecting as it hurtles towards our sun and gets heated up as it hurtles towards our sun through our solar system. It, it's leaving a trail for us to, we can go there and, and pick up the pieces and analyze the pieces. So that is a big financial and time commitment, but theoretically we could send out a probe to fly through its, its tail and collect different microscopic pieces of the comet and either bring those pieces back to Earth. The, I'm, in to, I'm talking, this is microscopic. The odds of it picking up an actual kind of, you know, half dollar sized chunk of comet is exceedingly rare. But 
it can at least scan it and send the data back to us. It doesn't even have to bring back big physical examples. It can just send the data back of what it analyzes. We, we can do that. We have the technology to do that. What fascinates me as an amateur, uh, as an amateur astronomer, is I can bust out my big 8-inch scope that is about as tall as I am, and I can get the coordinates for this comet and see if I can see it, even if it's a little faint fuzz, fuzzy ball with maybe a little tiny tail. That'll be fascinating to me to see, to see that, not with my naked eye, but with the power of an 8-inch telescope, will 8 inches be enough to make out the resolution of a comet? way out uh, by by Mars. We'll see, but it's going to be fun to explore, and that's kind of what being a geek is all about, is exploring. Is it going to be successful? Who knows? It's going to be fun just to try. Thank you for listening to Geek Therapy Radio this week. Be good to yourselves and others, and know that you are worthy of love. And I'll see you in the next one. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.